This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Spartan 117. Welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. Anthony and Skyler will take it from here. Master Chief, out. Hello and welcome to Quality Time, the KO Koala Entertainment Podcast. I am Skylar Sokol. And I am Anthony Nicolosi. And this definitely isn't our third take of the intro, but even if it was, we would still be talking about interest curves. Bang! Interest curves. Love it. Well, do you, what do are you do? interest curves? I don't Is know. The, uh, Can you tell me? Are interest curves the amount of interest that you have in other people's curves? Are no. interest the amount of uh, trajectory that the interest you make on your bank account balance Ooh. takes? Oh, that's an interesting one. Yeah, maybe we'll t- we'll we'll have a podcast on interest yields. What do you guys think? Is that what you uh, want to hear? That's it. That's that's the kind <laughs> of hard hitting topics Anthony chooses for these podcasts. Well, we were going to talk about that, but our good friend Jesse <laughs> Shell stepped in and said, "Hey he guys, like, no, hold no, up. No, no. Yeah, you stop that. Those those topics suck. <laughs> I have I've got a better kind of interest curve for you to talk about." And we said, "Oh, what, Jesse?" And he said, "It is in fact lens." 69 he uh, said it like that uh, said, yeah, of course because jesse shell loves the funny number <laughs> the interest curve no jesse did not actually talk to us we are still trying to somehow befriend him uh <laughs> over you know kinetic, i don't know dude, some, telekinesis. <laughs> yes but uh anyway the interest curve comes from jesse shell's book the art of game design a book of lenses a book that's often the inspiration of the topics for this podcast yep. phenomenal book if you're interested in game deb you must read that book um it's it's super good or if you you know if your love for the trade is jaded or fading if i'm talking to an experienced game dev here listen pick this book up give it another read fall in love with making games again um the interest curve the interest curve. What is the interest curve? I'll actually use Jesse's synopsis here. It's the uh, he 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 says the quality of an inter- entertainment experience can be measured by the extent to which its unfolding sequence of events is able to hold a guest's interest. Okay, um, cool. So, like, how much? How can you get people who are uh, engaging with your entertainment to pay attention? And how do you get yes. them to keep and stay, keep their attention? You know, yes, right, and keep their attention. And, um, we you can maybe using a more linear example like a movie where you see, uh, especially in, using the Marvel examples or whatever, you have a bombastic or um, very engaging start to the story um doesn't necessarily have to be an action sequence it could be like a tragedy of some sort just a major emotional yeah yeah, major pull um and then usually you see like an exposition that follows where it kind of sets up the setting those characters kind of their role in the world that you're in and uh then things start to pick up to the uh main and you know uh encounter um I, I was gonna say combat but it's not that's not the word the whatever the main issue you're trying to kind of the the characters are trying to confront um and it there's a battle maybe there's a like sort of a loss and there's a dwelling and a picking yourself back up a big climax and then there's you know settling things down and closing things out um 
this curve kind of looks like a roller coaster if you looked at it like from the perspective of a graph from like emotional intensity at points like you have points that are like whoa very powerful at the beginning then it slows down and then bang it starts building up again it comes down so this right. is really the interest curve it's these um, contrasts of like excitement and lulls of excitement that provide this like re-engagement of attention yeah, and if you think about it, other art forms have this in different ways. Like in music, it's not just necessarily what's played, it's also what's not played, right? And right. the the usage of um, silence or or it's maybe just leveraging whatever, certain chords and scales and modes and whatever to evoke a certain emotional uh, experience at a certain part of the song or just, you know the usage of a beat in a certain way some beats are just more you know they drive the heart they it's more intense you know it builds in a different kind of a way so you have art too right you have like parts of art uh, an art piece that maybe sort of is is set as sort of a backdrop to another I don't know, more textured. <laughs> There's ways that where... art and music are composed, right? That have their own interest curves. But I think what's unique about this kind of interest curve and music falls more into this is that it's based under time, right? Like time is the main time passing is the main element of this interest curve, right? And how yep. do you keep someone engaged for an amount of time? Cause I don't think artists necessarily care whether someone like looks at their painting for an hour and a half or whatever, but the movie people definitely care. Uh, <laughs> And um, it's true. That, that's true. That's true. Right. I think there's, there's a different. It's a different. That's a h- harder. Time is analogy. the is the dimension here that we're caring about, right? How do we keep someone looking at our thing for the amount of time that it lasts and still wanting to engage with it and wanting more of it afterwards? Quite frankly, generally in our current like landscape, how does yep. Marvel yes. keep making the same generic movie over and over, but people eat it up every time? Yeah, and what does that maybe say about people, you know, too, mm-hmm. like, uh, that works. Um, yeah, Jesse, when he's introducing the topic, he starts, you know, we, we started, if you start at the beginning of an experience, point A, you say, the guest comes into the experience with some level of interest. This is very interesting to me, um, because otherwise they wouldn't be there. That's a very interesting perspective. Like, Keeping, uh, taking to cons- in, into consideration the fact that if somebody's jumping into your experience, they're coming in with a certain level of interest, a certain level of familiarity, right? Yeah, that's cool. Um, you don't need to like assume that they have no desire to be there at all and assume you need to like make them want to even be there in the first place. They're already there, right? Like that's a really interesting statement. And it also lends, like, if you, so getting to games, right? Um, the first time you play a game, your first experience of the game really almost always has to happen unless like I guess you're you're scrolling through Steam or something and you just find a game that you've never heard of and you just jump into it. It usually is is uh, is led you're led into an experience of a game by some kind of previous experience uh, or uh, a moment where you found out about it or somebody told you right. about At least it like or something. reading an article or hearing something or watching a trailer right. or whatever which in itself is going to potentially influence the experience you're going to have moving into it right like right. if if you had a friend who told you this experience is awesome blah 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 like those are sort of the expectations and um maybe uh 
the 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 ex yeah those are the expectations you ha- you're setting for the incoming mm-hmm. experience that you're doing. Well, and those are the into. people you care about engaging anyway, right? Like you don't care about having the interest of someone who comes into your thing being like this is going to be shit. I hate this already, right? Like that's not the kind of person you're really trying to reach out to. You're trying to reach out to the people who are going to love the thing you made already, right? And like just give them reasons to love it. Yeah, this also though like uh I was bringing up cuz this this means that it's important how you go about showing telling the world this target market of yours about your experience, whatever it is, right? Like the marketing of your game or your media is part of the experience a person has engaging with it, if you will. So, um coming into that point a very interesting. He uh yeah, so he, he he finishes, this initial interest comes from preconceived expectations about how entertaining the experience will be, as we said. Um, exactly what captivates the human mind often seems different for every person, um, Jesse true. says. And this is really, that's totally true. Like, you said Marvel. How come those were so successful across such a wide demographic? You know what I mean? It was successful globally, internationally. It wasn't not necessarily just like, niche thing in the united states i mean to some extent um of course you know the budget for the you can't see these kinds of action sequences every anywhere else is definitely going to play a part it plays in the the budget the marketing the nostalgia factor like there's a lot of things that they made going for them that gave it that widespread appeal yeah and in the american market the superhero market right you've got a ton of uh, emotional equity there that you can capitalize on um now i think there are certain things though that are core to people and i think jesse does uh, kind of touch on that he says some of them he says even though what captivates people often seems different for everybody the most pleasurable patterns of that captivation are remarkably similar for everyone to see how a player's interest in your experiences changes over time ask yourself some questions one of which he says if i draw an interest curve on my experience how is it generally shaped so like we were saying before a lot of times so if we think about um you were playing orion will of the wisps this week um and you uh, loved it for in case people are wondering <laughs> um and i haven't played that one yet but the first one yeah i was actually going to bring up the first one as a really good example of good interest curve yeah, the first um, one. You can, and you can if you want to. You can go for it. Either way. I mean, basically, I think it's really strong because it starts out, like you were saying, with like a good intro sequence. There's this intro cutscene where a significant emotional event happens. It's like right at the beginning of the game. So you've got that initial emotional investment, which like builds such a relationship with the character that you wouldn't have otherwise. That's really important for you to like care about why you're doing all this stuff later in the game. And then the game has this perfect sequence of... You have this intro and then you're sort of just going through a bit, but then you get to the story like beat where you have to like go to these four places basically. And those four places you go, you go through them, the like interest ramps up and up and up. You beat the boss and then you go back to the beginning of the next place. And you beat the boss, go back to the beginning of the next place. Beat and you do that four times and you go to the big climax at the end of the final boss fight, right? Like yeah, that's true. There's like these sub interest curves, if you will. The within sequence the- is like perfect. I think it has a perfect like roller coaster feel, just like you described. There's enough yeah. like climaxing moments of the game that you stay interested and you want to keep playing because you know you're not that far away from the next climactic moment. Yeah, and you know, I think there's something um, 
I think experiencing a range of emotions is an emotional intensity at that is a uh, is something that I would consider being consi- um, being a prominent feature of a lot of the experiences I enjoy the most. Like whenever there's just a if it's just intense the whole time, it's kind of annoying after a while, and it's like kind of like draining in my opinion. I agree. If it has these moments of lull where you can also because you're i don't know i like there's a certain amount of at least personally when i'm watching like when you are moving through these emotions especially intensely like if there's uh like you know disney like every freaking disney movie like somebody important dies right at the beginning like there's a certain like amount of energy that goes like through it when you that you expend experiencing that if that makes sense right like getting sad and Mm -hmm. like getting mad you know um and same in the game same in a game like if you feel um i think this is part of my issue with like not closing out cuphead for me personally is i felt like in game it was so it's so like intense the whole time um, and at the, there's other reasons that I don't like necessarily enjoy playing platformers, blah, 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 but it's so intense. Like, and you reset and you just go back into it. Yeah. And like when you Cuphead, beat the you level, have to, you like, like make your own, uh, breaks. Like there isn't right. You're just yes. like walking to the next boss isn't, isn't really enough. Right. So I, I totally yeah. agree with you. That game is structured. Like the interest curve of that game is like the, a very, very fast up and down. Like, yeah. right. It's like level ah, like okay until I press A on I the next level for a second and then <laughs> yes yeah totally and yeah that's that's a really interesting insight that that's one of the reasons you stop and honestly I didn't finish it either maybe that's one of the reasons why like although I really enjoyed the design of all the fights and the gameplay um maybe it's just that interest curve got a little old for me right like I prefer something well, a little tiring, more creative. you know it's like uh, uh, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I think I, I, I actually also think this is sort of related to that same kind of, um, uh, experience that, that going up and down that, that a large amount of energy expended on, on moving through like th- such ranges of emotional toll, uh, could be related to like why some people hate skill-based matchmaking and stuff like they hate just like always sweating like it feels like every time i jump into a game it's always intense you know um and maybe at least for them it feels to them like cuphead feels to me or something Um, i guess i would say that's a different scenario right because in cuphead the ai doesn't care whether you're beating it or not but in skill-based matchmaking when you're playing against shitty people because there's no skill-based matchmaking and they're having a terrible time and you're having a good time you're like negatively affecting someone else's experience no right but you know what i mean like from the if you are playing always against hard people I, I Maybe, say you know? in, to those people, suck it up and shut up. <laughs> yeah, I want I want a lull is what they're looking for. Sure. I think it's some of the the amazingness of Rocket League, for example, how you can freaking play that game for so long, right? I I think it it does a good job on on managing that interest curve throughout. But yeah, and I mean, I think yes, I agree that. But with multiplayer games, there's it's a big difference, right? Competitive multiplayer is a different sort of interest curve. Like, that's much more driven by, like, your desire to improve and, like, the matchmaking system and the rating system and all of that, likely. There's, 
Yep. Right. There's now, a, there's more individual Rocket League game. There's a small interest curve, but I think interest curves are more interesting when we discuss like these long form narrative games, right? And how you keep someone engaged for because like movies don't have to do this. Movies keep someone engaged for like two hours, right, Max? But like Metal or Gear try, Solid right? is like no, it's fifty true. plus hours. Yep. How do you keep someone engaged for fifty to a hundred hours? Like. How do you keep Josh over over in Ko Koala headquarters engaged in Persona Four to play it like seven times for like fifty plus hours each? Well, and I've talked about that, right? It's actually something that hasn't happened for me, you know, over the last ten years. I like if I don't, um, I I haven't been playing those long form games, and that's kind of part of it, like that. Outside of the amount, it, it, like it's an amount of time thing, and there's all these other kinds of factors for sure. But like, it's definitely not holding my interest enough to to sustain me uh, watching out the experience. I have the same problem with movies. I don't watch movies really, and it's like the same kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's and, the same uh, reason why I've recently like only st- I like only watch foreign movies now because they have way different interest curves than like classic American movies. That's like all I watch now because it's all I can find that like I feel like it's not just like a bad use of my time. (laughs) (laughs) That's interesting. Uh, Movie review incoming. Find out what that difference is. I'll I'll ask you maybe that one of the questions Jesse poses to people developers who are reading the book says like does your experience have a hook something that grabs them initially. Now, I'll tell you, I think that there's two ways to make a, like a hook kind of interest curve. There's the cheap way and the good way for me. And like okay. the best example I can think of, of the cheap interest curve is like in Who Wants to Be a Millionaire when the guy answers the question or like any game show and the host is like, oh, I'm sorry. You just got it right or some bullshit like that where they like fake that it's wrong and then they immediately tell you it's right it's like the same thing in games where they like mention some scary boss then you literally fight it like 10 seconds later there's like no tension in between there right like i think that kind of interest curve generation is really cheap and i think that's really common in like mainstream american movies that kind of Mm. interest curve generation and that's one of the reasons why i think i shy away from them whereas i think foreign movies hold your hand a lot less in their stories and same with the kinds of narrative experiences i really like hold your hand a lot less um and that's really important for me to be hooked onto an interest curve is if it's not if i have to do some sort of thinking to fig- like understand the story it's not just like spoon fed to me or whatever you know interesting yeah i would say that's definitely not what the general populace is looking for like i'm i'm an example of that like too like i if i have to work for it it's even worse like i already can't be hold my interest from that like if i have to go looking for interest sometimes it's uh, unless it's been recommended to me or something you know like well i'm not saying the interest isn't uh, it's it's obvious that there's interest there but it's for you to f- discover right like yeah. it's not just like it tells you like there's a giant scary monster and you're going to fight it in 10 seconds. Oh, look, there it is. Oh, my God. Make sure you hit its flashing red weak spot, by the way. I'm a random guy in the world, but I know what a flashing red weak spot is. So when you say that's like a disappointing hook, from my perspective, what a hook entails is like something that gets you engaged into the experience. Right. So someone More telling like you initially. you're going to fight a big scary boss, right, is a hook that would try and get you engaged, right? There's this big scary guy and he's ruining the world and you got to stop him kind of thing, I right? I see. So it's it's not in that in your scenario, this it's not necessarily a little more microcosmic 
Cosmo than the kind of like long form hook you're talking about. But yeah. No, yeah. Well, it, lo- it sounds like in your case, when you have that boss, that big bad boss, you know, the thing that you're, when you say it that way, it makes me think of Halo 5, where you had this like, the hook was Chief was going rogue and there was some reason he was going rogue, but you found out all the details after mission two. Okay. And then it was like done. There wasn't like more mystery and, to well, discover. And the rest of the game was basically like Cortana's taking us somewhere. Where are we going? And then at the like literally last level, she puts you in a box basically and the game ends. And so it's like, what the fuck just happened? Like, so in from that perspective, uh, I don't know if this is sort of what you're saying, but it's like the hook was there as in like it did engage me. I wanted to find out what was going on. Right. It was more of like but then it just the like rest of the interest payoff, curve. Right. Yeah. The rest of the in- interest curve was shit. It was just basically like it went up and then like and then. Uh, right. Totally. Yes, <laughs> yes. 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 I think that is very similar to what I'm saying for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, you fight that big boss. You have that big moment. And then the rest of the time you're like, OK, now what? You know, right. like it it doesn't rebuild. It doesn't like set up uh, sure. a kind or of foundation. It didn't, like, it didn't take advantage of that hook over the course of the whole game. Right. Like exactly. it's like she went rogue. It's like a mystery for much longer in the game with smaller climaxes in between. And then you find right. out at the end. Right. It wasn't. like I, I really hold to that like idea for the Halo people who are listening. Like if Halo 5 would have told the same story. But for example, you wouldn't have found out what this what the motivations of chief going rogue and stuff were until like maybe three fourths of the way through the story. And you know, somehow it was the the part in between there was done well as well, like building to it, then it would have been way more compelling. Like it'd been just like, Oh shit. Okay. Right. And then you have that final battle, you know? Yeah. Did you find out it was Cortana in the marketing material in advance or did people not know going in? Well, so in hindsight, you realize that you did, like if that makes sense when but it wasn't like obviously told to you it was just like what it looked like so actually there's some controversy around here because people got pissed that they said that one of the 343 narrative directors lied about it because what happens is they marketing showed the cut scene that reveals this right they showed it in the marketing but then the narrative i think it was narrative director technically came out and said that oh that's just like chief's having a dream at that point but when you play the game it's not a dream that that was like like the legitimate reveal and didn't want it to be yeah that's like a stretch to say it's a dream like it is in a way kind of like he's not he's kind of in a different spot when he experiences it but it's not a like it was definitely if you will it's like that happens and then you're like okay uh gortana's back i guess and like Uh that was it you know so anyway it's just that was the interest curve of halo 5 sucked it Mm -hmm. was shit and i think that was a big part of it it had a intense beginning you were like essentially effectively a cia agent spartan guy hunting down chief like oh shit what's chief doing he's going awol and then right away it's like oh that's why he's going awol oh the guy who's hunting him down actually kind of likes him oh okay like what the fuck are we like you know right away it's over the excitement and the build was all over so anyway jesse calls that out in in the same way he says you know does your interest curve have a gradually rising interest punctuated by periods of rest mm-hmm. this is the now, ori thing that we just talked about why ori is so perfect right you like you start you hit a boss you fight this intense boss then you go back to the beginning of a section where you like 
need a new ability that you don't have yet. You, like, are just exploring the area casually. Eventually, you find the new ability. Then you have this, like, new way to explore the area, and you get a more exciting exploration of the area. Then you find the boss area. Then you get this intense fight that is, like, the climax of this new ability. And then you get story after that, like, a narrative climax, an emotional climax, and then you go to the next area, right? Like... And and he calls that out. Is there a grand finale more interesting than everything else? Like you were saying, yeah. like every area has oh, that shit. in the, the whole game. The fucking end of Aria, the Will of the Wisps, dude. You, there's the, oh, so good. Okay. Oh, the, I can't wait to play it. I'm what really a what a M Night Shyamalan twist. That's all I'll say. That's what Evan mm, okay. referred to the ending as. Okay, I'm hyped. I'm interested in that. Like, uh, th- yeah. It, it's the boss thing you're just saying before the most interesting things got to happen at that climax right mm-hmm. like you got to bu- you're building to something and there's got to be that payoff when there's not that payoff i think that's generally when you see like a large consensus on that wasn't good yeah you know? another like, another game that i think does this so well bioshock one and bioshock infinite both have some of the biggest payoff like grand finales of any games i've ever played the grand finale of bioshock is like historically known to be like one of the best endings of any game and then Bioshock Infinite for me is the best ending I've ever played but some people disagree but I loved how the ending was done and how the grand finale worked out yeah no it's I gotta I gotta play it I will I will play you know one game I want to talk about on regarding interest curves it's fascinating because it's extremely successful has doesn't really have an error, but even from a gameplay's perspective, the interest curve is like I would say relatively flat ish. Uh-huh. Is Minecraft? Uh-huh. I, I think I think Minecraft's interest curve is like kind of like how you like working for your interest. <laughs> well, I don't know. Minecraft, like the big interest curve in Minecraft is the day night cycle, right? Like the day cycle where things are calmer, you're doing shit. If you explore a cave, you might get climactic moments, right? The big interest curve of Minecraft is when that fucking creeper walks up behind you and you gotta figure out how to deal with it, right? No, it's true. So it like, but it's not like planned. It's not scripted, which is really interesting. You do sort of create it yourself. Yeah, and like, I, I, we were talking about Sims, simu- like literally the Sims, the game, but uh-huh. also just generally life simulator kind like of flight games. Sim? There's, f- yeah, actually, flight sim. What's like? There's a mastery path there in a f- in flight sim. You know, it's really cool to just choose wherever you want to go. A large amount of autonomy. I don't know about relatedness. What you can do from a flight for flight sim. There's also but- no story, right? It's literally just like like the simulation genre in general is very interesting. Like this, it doesn't like very few of them have like depth in depth stories, in depth modes like that. It's really yeah. build your own interest, right? You already need to be interested in the activity being simulated to really be interested in the game, I think, which is a really unique genre for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. Like that's the um I'm, when you're making a simulator, I guess you're are you deciding that there's not really a interest curve in some no, of these? No, I mean, like, you're just simulating a real-world activity, right? So people who are already interested in that real-world activity are your audience, and other people, if they join, great. But, like, the interest comes well, in that real-world activity being simulated, I guess. Well, I actually would argue it's like a neutered version of real world because in the True. real world, there's there's other elements that there's physical variables in the mix, you know? Yeah. But for... Um, for like inherently in games part of the cell is the fact that it's a controlled thing that you can ex- exercise like your autonomy on right like on the world and the game thing so it's like even less 
dynamic to somebody. Like it's I'm true. thinking flight sim. Yeah. Like you, so it's it's just if you really wanted to, I was telling I was watching a stream the other day. I was telling him just put it on a AI control, fly yep. from like L.A. to Sydney, put it on the background, and fucking fall asleep, dude. Yep. It was like totally great fall asleep kind of shit. You know? <laughs> it, no, it's very different. Yeah, it's a very different sort of interest curve. It's, yeah, I mean it's unique, right? I and it, I think there's a the 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 success you've seen out of the Sony studios, not having um, played some of those games, but from the what I've seen on the reviews and stuff, wiping something off the screen there, that they really have are have did a great job on those experiences as last gen from an interest curve perspective. I, mean, I think of like Corey Barlog, the game director for God of War, was talking about. I think for a game, from a game uh, dev perspective, they needed these sequences that were kind of like lulls in between moments and stuff. Um, I think I guess they manifest in a couple of different ways. I think there's like somewhere he's like uh, Kratos rides in a boat mm-hmm. with his kid or something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they leverage those opportunities to tell store insert story and narrative into there. Yeah. They actually needed those to be able to like render environments and shit sure. in the background. But um, those uh, those lulls, right, is like I was saying, I think the art of understanding the rest and the lulls is just as big of a deal in a successful experience as the it, being able to execute a compelling climax. Oh, you know? I will say, like, my favorite moment from The Last of Us that I talked about, right, the giraffe moment in The Last of Us is part of a lull, right? That's part of a, like... Just chill story exactly. section, right? Well, that's just like to to emphasize their sort of mastery of the experience. It's like because you, it, I remember you when you were breaking it down. You're just coming out of a section there that's kind of intense, uh, really right? intense, like, like fighting really section. Intense. Yeah. So they like, yeah. Usually, you know, in the marketing and everything, we're we're shown the yeah, the action, yeah, the shit, you know, all the shit you can do. But sometimes, some of the most beautiful parts of an experience are those lulls, you know, yeah. those moments. I would call them. I would call also your giraffe moment. It's sort of like a payoff after that previous mm-hmm. section, you know. It's like an emotional um, narrative payoff, right? Not like a gameplay payoff. And I think this is a big thing with interest curves in video games. I think video games originally, like with Pong and stuff, like the the appeal of video games was that you could interact with them, right? And so originally games focused mostly on that interaction, like Mario, right? Nintendo doesn't give a fuck about the Mario story. There's a princess. (laughs) You got a rescuer. Yeah, she's not in that castle. Go to the next one. Do it again, right? The gameplay was the hook. And the interest curve came from the gameplay. But I think what developers are realizing more and more, and Sony being one of them, is that... Game technology has come to the point and just people in general want that like emotional narrative interest curve more than they just want this pure gameplay interest curve, right? And so mm-hmm. that's why those games are now so popular and doing so well. And more and more games are moving to this like narrative focus rather than just the gameplay being the main focus, right? Like some games like What Remains of Edith Finch or even more like... uh Dear Esther, the like first walking simulator, literally has like no gameplay. You're literally just walking around experiencing the narrative, right? What remains to be the fish has some gameplay, but it's all derived from the narrative. Yeah. And so like it's interesting whether you make a gameplay game with the narrative coming from the gameplay or a narrative game with where the gameplay comes from the narrative. And I think nowadays the second one is becoming way more prevalent and the most successful games are doing that. Yeah, and I I 100% I think you mentioned in there like the the technology available today is a big part in that. There's a, there's 
you just you can't communicate the same amount of emotion and um in- emotional intensity with the facial graphics of 1999 compared to that of now right unless like, you use a stylized art style and that's why some yeah, of the like there most are some things that can help games yep, from that sure. era right are the yep. stylized ones not the like fucking donkey kong 64 or whatever yep no so absolutely it goes hand in hand i mean there's that's just gonna get better right there's the totally uh we know like unreal engine and many other of course studios and their engines they're pushing that photorealistic boundary right i mean like, i would call fucking- out death stranding dude that game I, is, like the cutscenes are yeah, basically they're, like they're, you're yeah. watching a movie right like it's crazy yeah, I, how realistic the faces are i think the um i think post-production things like i know the blur what like blur studio does they did like because they remade the halo 2 campaign cutscenes. that that's post-produced right like you know it's not r- real-time rendered or anything like that and it's unbelievable it's like holy fuck you know this this could be a movie uh it's so well done um the cgi is so good but i think even in real time it's getting pretty good you know in in some cases you see like especially i they there was a whole blog post that epic put out for those who are interested about how the face is, is is a big deal is hard you know there's so many intricacies that we just are expect out of the face and that we pick up the 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 issues in when we see these 3d renderings of them um and they're trying they're pushing especially like leveraging machine learning and all this kind of stuff maybe i don't know maybe we're we're not far you already see those deep fakes right mm-hmm. like it's not real time that's again post-produced but we're maybe not far from that like wow that's is this real or not? You know, mm-hmm. when you see some of that like mega scan shit where they take like high quality photo uh, ass- scans of uh, various assets, various kinds of assets, and they put that in game, it, it looks real. It's did, like there are screenshots from Death Stranding that you could easily think are real. Yeah, dude, it's insane. I just actually saw something on Twitter. I retweeted uh, on the KO Koala account. It was somebody, somebody made like, I want to say it was like a part in Central Park in Dreams. You know, for PlayStation, the the it, it's uh-huh. like a kind of like as mini engine can build stuff. Uh-huh. Dude, it looked fucking real for a while. I was like, "What is this?" There were <laughs> a, eventually parts that the textures gave it away, but I'm like, "Is this r- fake? Like, this looks real." You uh-huh. know, that's crazy, crazy. Yeah. And that's only going to go t- forwards to being able. To, I also, I also think on, on the same note, if you think about like uh, what the the verbs available to game developers in like what are the kinds of things you can do in a game the mechanics you can use with the input schemes that we are uh, used to um maybe another reason for the rise of this narrative is is like it's it's easier to come up with a compelling story than it is to really innovate on the mechanics of a game you know what i mean it's like what 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 could a first person shooter do that's really mind-blowing at this point you know what i mean like it's gonna maybe be an interesting wrinkle to something familiar but like uh compelling story is something that doesn't necessarily need now that we have the technology to be able to maybe convey those better i mean yeah death strain once again is a great example that's like literally a walk around and that's like a pick up and deliver quest the game like literally the gameplay is pick up and deliver quests but 
it's like done in such a compelling way that it doesn't really matter that the gameplay is like relatively simple, right? Because the narrative is so strongly done. And that's like the whole walking simulator thing, right? Yep. I think Overwatch was an important, uh, is another good example of like what you're saying, right? Like Overwatch actually did innovate on the FPS genre pretty thoroughly. But one of the major ways they did that was through their narrative CGI releases. They like not only, uh, had like interesting new like ability based gameplay that wasn't pretty unique but they released these cgi cutscenes and tied a narrative to like a competitive multiplayer shooter which is not something that normally happens you don't have that lore usually right so it's interesting yeah narrative is a great way to like make the interest curve absolutely like emotional and narrative based interest curves are really strong almost stronger than gameplay interest curves nowadays especially we we kind of alluded to it but I think there are these sort of primal things that speak to like everybody, and it's part of the reason why some of these like uh, some of these properties can be successful across wide demographics in movies. But I think it holds for games too, like the need to survive, the need to uh, like live, eat food, monster going to kill me, bad. You know, like there's uh, certain elements, like some primal elements. I think uh, actually, you see like the I at least I think over the last five plus ish years, um, the advance of like romance in games and stuff like that. I think that's another sort of uh, maybe primal aspect that can people that games maybe will start to touch on. That's also very hard to do without technological advancements. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It turns out we are maybe just uh, all kind of the same. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. I think people might disagree with you on the romance thing because, like, Mass Effect 1 had, like, really important romantic elements. That was 2007. But Evan said something to me in chat, but I don't say. Yeah, but that was, like, I mean, that's fine. Maybe people thought those romance options were compelling. Japanese dating sims have been around for a really long time, too. Yeah, but they sucked. Like, like, in my opinion. I mean, narratively, they don't. They have very simple gameplay, but maybe, maybe like in the, from the perspective of like, if the, uh, it was like what I was saying before from the technological perspective, like if you can only execute, if you can only render something so good, like how, how much can I fall in love with a cube? I guess is the point. I mean, well, it's not they like- use like hand drawn, right? Like stylized art. Right. So that's the whole way you get around that and yeah. how old games no, have been yeah, able but to get mass around. effect. Like is Oh, well, Mass Effect is a product of the time, right? Like, at the time, I think it's easy to view Mass Effect in a retrospective lens, but if you were playing it at that time, you would feel way more connected to the character now, I think. Because, or you would feel way more connected to the characters then because you couldn't see anything better than that, right? So it's easy to, like, assign your imagination enhancement onto the character, right? Maybe. Like, to see the character as more real than it is. Whereas now you look at it, it's like a joke. Yeah, I mean, maybe, you know, and maybe that works better for other people. Like, just for me personally, it's like, this is a joke. Like, the, uh, but, and yeah, but now it's not 2007 get... right now, right? Like, I would be interested to see what you would have said in 2007 if I showed you that. You no, I knew like... about it in 2007. Mass Effect came out next to Halo 3, and, like, some of my friends played it, and they told me about it. I'm like, dude, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Like, <laughs> I've ever seen uh anyway like i didn't i didn't necessarily see like everything like my friends like i i effectively saw like the equivalent of a two cutscenes, right of of the actual 
Right. Game. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like to to have romance in a game, you have to have time to like develop an attract uh uh like d- uh attachment to characters in the story, right? So two cutscenes isn't going to be enough for you to develop that attachment. And I think with an emotional and narrative attachment to a character, it's way easier to forgive like a graphical shortcoming. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. The romance is something that I have yet to play a game that did well for me personally. Interesting. I think a lot of people would argue that Stardew Valley has one of the best romance executions of any game that's ever been released. So I haven't played that. Um, so. A lot of the Final Fantasy games, people like the romance in those. Yeah. Really? Anyway. I didn't. Maybe they do. Maybe they do. Well, I I never. I like you know. There's people. There's characters who have romantic. Uh, relationships and interactions and whatever with each other but um i guess that's sorry maybe i'm just not communicating what i'm sa- what i mean by romance it's more of like my ability in a game to autonomously um engage with and start a romance and develop one more along the lines of like mass effect or something like that is kind of what i'm thinking i see For so final fantasy Valley i didn't really that. yeah yeah final fantasy i never i at least the ones i played no totally. i don't think really had that but yeah. you know you're correct anyway um, anyway right on where can people find interest us? curves i love them you can find us uh at com. there you have links to all our social media and uh especially discord Discord, guys. You gotta jump in the Discord because Discord is where the community uh, all hangs out. It's the soul of KO Koala. We do a, we do a giveaway every three month, three weeks. I'm sorry, um, that is directly related to Agora. The research you when when you join our Discord, you'll be placed in a research project for Agora. Agora is a big part of the in-game universe of our upcoming game. In-game universe, you say? Implying that there might be a narrative, you say? After we just talked about interest curves, you say? Hmm, maybe. You don't know. Including milestone rewards that do have lore tidbits. So if you want to get j- jump into the in-game universe of our game, upcoming game, I'm sorry, uh, join the Discord. There you also on KOKualaEntertainment.com have links to everything else. YouTube, social media. Join. If you're hearing this, go to YouTube, follow us, subscribe to us, help us get to 1,000 subscribers. We're going to see if we can get that this month. Um, and yeah, everything everything can be found at KOKualaEntertainment.com. Thanks everything. for watching, listening. Yeah, come watch us at twitch.tv slash KOKuala underscore ENT every week on Monday. And come check out the pre-stream where I play random games. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And you, where you have a chance, if you're listening right now, we're about to give away some stuff. Uh, you could have won it if you were here. Oh, yep. But you're not. So see you later. So sad. So sad. See you later. See you next Until week. Until next time. Bye. Bye.